Catherine Tune, and we are talking about knowing God is for you. You know, this is huge uh, because sometimes in humanity, with everything that hits you, it really you you question it, or maybe you feel that somehow you're not worthy, or um, whatever. And this is a big pain point. And it is so important to get this settled and continue to get it settled because sometimes we have it kind of settled and then something comes up. It's like, well, it's not so settled. And this is so crucial with your relationship with God and then your ability to just be free. This is, you know, if if you're not sure that your heavenly father is for you, you really feel like an orphan or you feel like a black sheep or you feel like something, your faith is not going to work. And since faith works by love and you're not so sure that you're loved, you know, we have a real problem in humanity with unconditional love. And, you know, I I get flack for always being about love and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what, when we get it, I'll stop preaching it. Um, But that is the thing that God commands us to love as he loves. Well, that's impossible unless we know that we are so adored and that's really settled that God is for us, even in the places where we clearly are acting in ungodly ways and maybe shameful, evil ways. God is so for you that he's unwilling to let you remain in those sort of evil ways of being of those fallen ways of being. And so even in his place of correction and even in his place of, um, of uh, like walking us like, yeah, no, that's not worthy. It's because he's for you that he is about that. So let's get settled in this. Okay. I, this is going to be a study in Romans 8. Now, Romans 8 is one of my faves. I, I can't seem to get off of it um, because it's so rich. It's so rich. And, you know, <clears throat> we need to glean of the richness. And one of the challenges we run into in our scriptural studies is when we're just trying to do like a Bible plan or whatever. And I And I do think it's important to read the entire Bible. There is value, real value in that. But there are also times when we need to just camp out and glean to get revelation from the one verse or the one chapter or the one whatever. We need to camp out uh, as human beings. And this is not, once again, to please God. We do, you know, the bottom line is God is pleased with you and in his pleasure for you, his holy pleasure for you. Uh, he is conforming you into his image because anything less than who you are is not worthy of who you are. So you're coming from his pleasure. You're coming from his acceptance. You're coming from the place that you're a son and daughter that he's chosen um, to be unveiled in fullness as a son and daughter that he's chosen. And some of those places 
that's a healing issue. And, and sometimes healing looks like correction. You know, uh, if you're doing evil things, that is not worthy of you. Knock it off. <laughs> if you are doing, if you are good, but you feel like you're doing evil things or you're good, but you feel shameful, whatever. Well, that just needs to be healed because <clears throat> that's a false guilt and a false shame. And so <clears throat> only God can ultimately separate all this out. So the verse that we're going to launch on is Romans 8. I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. So he's been talking up in the last 30 verses <laughs> of amazing things. And um, we'll see if uh, Holy Spirit wants me to go back to some of those. Um, but this is a summation. This is a summation. Okay, so this is Paul. This is God speaking through Paul. So what does all this mean? He's been going on about sonship. He's been going on about being adopted as sons and daughters. He's been uh, uh, going on about being conformed into the image of Christ and releasing creation from its bondage. He's been going on about a lot of things. And then this is the pivot, pivotal moment. What does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? In other translations, it's just, it's, it's, it's actually some, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? And keep in mind at, at Romans 8, 1, the very beginning of this chapter, um, in Christ, there is no condemnation. So if God is for us, who can be against us? So he's been going on about no condemnation, all this stuff about sonship and daughtership and being conformed and all this kind of stuff. And then if God is for us, who can be against us? So I want you to sit and think just practically for yourself. Who feels like they're against you? Right. Um, you know, we, we just come out of this season of politics. I'm like, oh, it's so unsavory. And so there, there's such polarization. It feels like, oh, they're against me, you know, but then it feels like, um, you know, maybe your boss feels like they're against you, or maybe your spouse feels like they're against you, or your kids feel like they're against you, or society feels like white people are against you, or black people are against you, or Hispanic, pick a card, any card, right? Or men are against you or women are against you. And there's this, and then there's the, the, the enemy. Boom. You know, he's constantly condemning you. Um, and whatever. Maybe it's the system, you know, pick a system. Any system, um, is against you. And it's just feel like all this stuff that are against us, right? And then on top of that, we have stuff like, wow, cancer and death and, poverty and, you know, just the crapola of living in a fallen world. Right. And so all these things array, you know, and then you think of like, you know, countries and I mean, just pick a card. There's a lot of stuff that can feel like it's against you. And so if you want to glean the most of this, sit, sit with it a bit. It's like, who is against me? Okay. Who is against me? Right. So what does this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, if God is for you, he's determined. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I'm doing. You can't change my determination, right? We're just not that powerful to get God to change how he feels about us and how he's determined to stand with us. We're not that powerful. We can't sin our way out of it. 
a false identities and this sense like evil happened to me, so I'm evil or something bad happened to me, so I'm shameful or and I participate in something shameful, so now I'm shameful, so this disqualifies me. Well, that's caca because, so what does this mean? If God is determined to stand with, tell me who could ever stand against us? Not even death can stand against you. Okay. Verse 35, who could ever separate us? I I think it's really interesting that this has been personified. Who, who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? That's Christ, right? Just in case you didn't know. God's anointed one. Who could ever separate us from the endless love? Where what what can separate? Can the crap that happened to you? Can the molestation that happened to you? Can the business that failed that happened to you? Can your wife left you? Your husband left you? Your boyfriend left you? Your girlfriend left you? You were stabbed in the back by such and so. Pick a card, any card, right? A friend left you. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? You can't even, right? Where you betrayed yourself, where you abandoned yourself, where you forsook yourself. We do that. We throw ourselves under the bus. Um, It says absolutely no one for nothing in the universe. So let's just think all of these things that have felt like they're arrayed against you. Is it in the universe? Yes. So nothing in the universe, that thing, has the power to diminish his love towards us. Your sin does has nothing, um, cannot diminish the power of God's love towards us. We're just not that powerful to get God not to love us. We're and, and you know, honestly, and we're not an exception to the human race. Yeah, God loves all those people, but I'm the exception. Well, you prideful thing, you knock it off. <laughs> right? You're not the exception. It's like uh it's like you're special, but you're not that special, right? You're not a special case. You're not not the exception to God's love. That's actually a prideful statement. You know, sometimes when we we treat ourselves like worms, we have to realize that's actually really prideful. That's not humble because we're saying that, yeah, you did a crappy job with me. You know, you did a crappy job with me, so I don't deserve your love. Well, that's crap. And it it needs to be kicked to the side. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, you got them. I do too. Pressures, you got them. I do too. And problems, yeah, got them. I do too. Are unable to come between us and heaven's love. So the nice thing about using heaven's love is that, it, well, it's not just Christ, the anointed one, yes, all of that, but it's Papa, it's Jesus, it's Holy Spirit. And then it's even the heavenly angelic realm, like heaven loves you. And the host of the cloud of witnesses that are now on the other side are championing you. Heaven just loves you. Get down with your bad self, right? What about persecutions? Think about the ways you've been persecuted. Everybody has a story. Um, Deprivations, dangers, and death threats. No, they're all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. So we have this juxtaposition of impotent. That means no power, right? 
and omnipotent, omni, all potent, all powerful love. Love never fails, right? So this is Paul. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love, just in case we didn't get it the last couple of <laughs> verses. You know, we need to be like, look at it over and over and over because we're kind of dense. It's just a thing. And, 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 you know, I don't, no one's got it perfectly. So just like settle down. Right. And if you think you got it, yeah, that pride thing needs to go. Cause you don't, and neither do I, but we're getting it more and more. Right. This is why we're camping out and we're doing it together. Yay. I'm convinced that is love will triumph over death. Guess what? That's a thing. Uh, and it's already a past thing, but it's also a thing that's walking out in your life. I'm convinced that is love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. Right? There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Okay. So nothing can separate us. Okay. You know, we've heard this. You probably heard 12 zillion messages on it. And when you get it, Come find me because and lay hands on me. That'll be great. So let's go back a little bit because this is a summation of all these incredible points, whatever, that um, God has. And I'm going to start in verse 18. Um, I love this one. This makes me happy. This is Paul. Now, understand Paul for a second. Like the, he, Paul was a man. Okay. He was a powerful man. He was an apostle. He wrote what two thirds of the new Testament. I mean, this dude had it going on, but he suffered. He suffered. He paid a price to follow Christ. Right. I mean, beatings within a hair of his life, multiple times, probably did die. What who, you know, we can debate you know, and, 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 and if you read Corinthians, it talks about, you know, perils at sea, perils on that, perils by, you know, my, the brethren, per, perils, perils, suffering, naked, starvation. I mean, like stuff we haven't experienced. Okay. Right. Stonings, lashings, multiple times, being adrift at sea, all of these different things. Okay. So he knew about suffering and he knew about suffering because he was doing the right things, not because he was doing the wrong things. Right. So, and then, and then God had also convicted him of doing the wrong things because he was out there trying to crucify, well, trying to um, persecute Christians and murder, being a partner to murder Christians because he thought they were, you know, not of God because he was out of the Jewish sect and they had to squash down the Christian faith and blah, 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 blah. So he got, he got knocked off his off his ass for that, literally donkey for that, all of that. So correction and sufferings for doing the wrong things, and then um, correct, and then persecution for doing the right things. And sometimes that does happen, right? So my point is, the dude knew about suffering. Okay, so this is him talking. 
I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Okay. So I want you to think of the suffering you've had in your life. And some of you, I have heard your stories. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. But compared to the glory that is within you, which is actually good news, because if the suffering was transcended over time, space, the universe, if that was the biggest thing there was, well, we'd have a pretty crappy God. Okay. I'm just saying he really couldn't redeem all things. Right. So, you know, if you can't see how God's going to redeem the hell hole or the hell holes you've been through, I, understandable, but that's a limitation of your vision. Okay. And it's not only greater in comparison, this glory to be unveiled, revealed within us, us as a body, us as humanity, right? But the suffering is as nothing compared to that. That's how big and amazing God. This is where with God, all things are possible, right? Okay. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. This is the universe and universe is so dang excited. Standing on tiptoe, yearning, yearning, groaning, other translations say to see the unveiling of the glorious, uh, of God's glorious sons and daughters. This is the glory in you. This is the glory of you. And if you think about it, if you're made in the image and likeness of God, how glorious is God? And if you're in his image and likeness, you are packing glory baby. That's where it says in first John, as he is, so are we in this world. You mean as Christ is, so am I in this world? Yeah, baby, you just don't know it, right? So as Jesus was, the glory that he carried is the glory that you carry because you're a son and daughter of God. Jesus is your elder brother. Difference is you didn't create yourself, right? But that is what you're packing. And if you're not seeing it, that's the point. You're not seeing it, but it is there to be unveiled. And guess what God is doing? Yeah, he's unveiling his sons and daughters from glory to glory to glory. This is God being for you because he knows how glorious, how beautiful, how holy, how powerful, how mighty, how righteous, how good, how clean, how beautiful. Pick a card, all of these things, and there's more that you are because you look just like God's son in your flavor. This is who you really are. This is how God is redeeming the world. And then it talks about the world for against its will, the universe, itself has had to endure empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. Listen, climate change, you know, um, earthquakes, um, all animals going extinct, um, death itself, sickness, disease, COVID. Pick a card, any card, right? All right. Are the are, are, creation, the scene realm has had to endure this. It was perfect. It was delightful. So where it's not perfect, delightful, this came about because of human sin, because we were the ones to caretake creation, the scene realm, 
And we turned away from God. And not only did humanity fall, but creation fell. Okay. But now, I'm so glad there's a but, right? But now with eager anticipation, so excited, um, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to the children of God. So he's not saying we really hope, fingers crossed, that freedom comes to the children of God. No, this is like inevitable. It's a question of when. Let me just say this. Freedom is coming to you to the extent that you're cooperating with God. Um, and where you're not cooperating with God, um, either just don't know to or unaware of or not willing or whatever the beef is, okay, you're still in bondage. It's a thing. And we're all in bondage, right? When when I am fully manifested, I'll come find you and, you know, <laughs> we can hope it. Yay. <laughs> all right. Um, verse 22, to this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation. Okay. This is agony and groaning. Creation, scene realm is groaning and in agony as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit. That means when you say first fruits, it's kind of a Christian-y phrase. Um, experienced like I've encountered Holy Spirit and these are amazing things that's happened, but there's so much fruit that this is just the first. And so just keep on going because there are more. So we who have experienced the first fruit as a spirit are also inwardly grown. As we passionately long to experience our full status, to experience, he didn't say to become sons of God. He says to experience our right now status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. So there's, you know, there's a promise for a glorified body. You got stuff going on in your body. Yeah, I do too. It's really annoying at best. Um, and eventually, you know, this body, this earth suit will, will die. Uh, my spirit will be separated from my body. My body will go into the ground and whatever, but God will raise it up and God will raise up your body to be a glorified body. Like Jesus's body. That means no, no, nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. It's, it's impervious to death and blemishes and cellulite and, um, and sickness and disease and all of that, that is a promise. That is a future promise. Okay. And that's just included with everything else. What about our emotions, our wills, our, our minds, our wills, our emotions, our personalities, our conscious, our subconscious. We got issues that need to be transformed. Well, that's all happening. This is the glory to be revealed within us because God is so for us. Okay. Uh, okay. Verse twenty. For, for this, this is the hope of, of our salvation. So God is not just about keeping your butt out of hell. He's keeping the hell out of your butt, so to speak. <laughs> okay. But hope, uh, but hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. So we don't see it yet. Okay. This is all of us. We are, this is a matter of trust and a matter of waiting. Okay. Um, but it's ongoing. So it just keep on going because we get to see more and more, right? For why would we need to hope for something we already have? Now we have it uh, as a promise, 
okay, we it's, salvation is completed. We're working out salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus did a complete job on that cross uh, as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and walking it out on planet earth. But, um, you know, obviously we haven't seen it, the totality of it yet, but we continue to operate in first fruits, right? The tip of the iceberg. So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. Okay. So, which means, let me just say this, all of us are groaning. It's like, this is wrong. Death is wrong. Cancer is wrong. Abuse is wrong. Fear is wrong. Trauma is wrong. Torment is wrong. Pick a card, any card of fallenness, um, pollution and earthquakes and child abduction. And I mean, all the hellhole that we have on planet earth is wrong. You're right. It is wrong. Okay. Um, but we have a hope that God is actually good at his job in redeeming all things and starting with us, right? Verse 26. And in a similar similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's, he's right. God is always right there in the ditch with you, wherever your hell hole is. I'm here. If I make my beds in hell, even you are there, right? So God's always with you in your hell hole taking hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. So wherever you're weak, he gets to empower you. Um, for example, at times we don't even know how to pray. Got any, anybody feel this, right? I have no idea what to pray, right? Right. Um, or know the best things to ask for, like, but holy, but the Holy Spirit rises up in us to super intercede, not just intercede. Interceding is praying with passion on our behalf because God is for us, right? To super intercede on our behalf, pleading with God with an emotional side too deep for words. So it's not like God is praying to God the Father to get him to do, do something, Father, or, you know, move. No, this is God interceding on your behalf because God knows God, the father, son, and spirit are all interceding for us, right? This is God interceding on our behalf. He translated it pleading to God. And I, I, I can't get on board with that because God is also pleading, right? So if this is God, you don't, God is not divided with the Godhead trying to, Holy Spirit's trying to convince the father to do something. No, no. They're all interceding on our behalf. Why? Because we are in a freaking fracking battle. Anybody feel it, right? We're in a battle against darkness. We're in a battle against things that are, are arrayed against us. We're in a battle against a defeated demonic realm because the the, the, the darkness feels truer than the light. Uh, you've been wounded. You've been whatever you need battling for you. And it's with emotional size too deep for words. So does God care? Heck yeah. Emotional side, too deep for words, right? Verse 27, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. He knows longings that you're not even connected with consciously. Yet he also understands the desires of the spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. So this is Holy Spirit pleading uh, before God, God pleading before there's a, a pleading that the will of the father, the will of God manifest, which is all good because God's all good, right? 
um, please before God uh, for us as holy ones in perfect harmony. Here it is with God's plan and our destiny. What is God's plan? God's plan is a good to restore all things where it's evil and bad and broken and in bondage and confused and pick a card and, and devastated and traumatized. And okay, this is God's plan is to restore that in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So it's God interceding with God on our behalf for the restoration of all things. Verse 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives, okay, get a lot of details, right? Every detail. God does not miss a spot. God forgets nothing of our lives. Okay, your whole life is continually ongoing, woven together for good. Okay, so the crap that happened to you, that was evil. Let's be clear. We're not confused. But God can take the evil. This is this is why God is God, and we're not. <laughs> can take the evil and weave it in for good. So this is a tapestry of your life, and the evil things that happen to you are woven together for good, right? Wow. Okay. Only God can do this. So it wasn't his will that the evil happened. Let's be very clear. Not his will. Evil, not God's will. Okay. In, in religious circles, we have been really confused and we've called evil good. No, evil is just evil. Okay. Not as well because he's good, right? He's love. Okay. Um, That every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers. We are the ones who he loves. Yeah. And when I say lover, we're not having sex with God. So I know some people's minds go go there. And I'm sorry about that because it's been how you've been harmed um, uh, or and where you maybe participated in evil things. Okay. Um, but we are lovers who've been called to fulfill his design purpose. What's his design purpose? Well, his purpose for us is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Right. And to have and enjoy uh, God's God's goodness. Uh, to the full till it overflows, right? Okay, verse 29. For he knew all about us before we were born. This is Ephesians 2.10. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Okay, so the, a likeness of someone is like, yeah, you look like someone. You're not that someone, but you look like someone, right? And Jesus, the son, is perfect. So guess what? You looked like son, the son who's perfect in his image, right? This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters. That's you, brother. That's you, sister, who will become just like him. I love that. I love the certainty of that statement. Who will become just like him? You will become just like him, not because he's going to force you, but because he's redeeming all things. And since love never fails, he's conforming you into the image of love. So if love is a consuming, if God is a consuming fire and God is love, what does he consume? Everything that's not of love's kind. That means he doesn't consume you because you're of love's kind, but everything in you that's broken, that's twisted, that's perverted, that's prideful, that's um, um, whatever we are <laughs> that are not, that don't look like him in perfection and glorious perfection. Yeah. That puppy's going to go 
either on this side of heaven or on on the other side of heaven. And the more you cooperate now, the more that gets to be revealed on this side of heaven. That's pretty amazing, but this will happen. This is why I have such hope for God's ability to redeem. Okay, let's keep on going. Um, Verse 30, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself. Okay, what is your destiny? To be conformed to the image of Christ. He called us to himself. Catherine, yeah, I'm calling you to me. And transferred his perfect righteousness. Catherine, you're perfectly righteous. So-and-so, whoever you are, I'm calling you and you're perfectly righteous. Righteous means in right standing to everyone he called. Right? This is the human race. This is the part where it says those he foreknew, which was you, he called, which was you. Those he called, he justified, made just, that's you. And those he justified, he glorified. And that's what he's doing. He's glorifying now. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So that's what he's doing. This is the process that he's doing. He's glorifying you. Revealing the glory in you, the real you. And the stuff that's not really you, yeah, that puppy's going to (laughs) go. It is. Okay. And then we launch in to the verse I started off with, verse 31. So what does all this mean? (laughs) If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who could ever stand against us. Everything that you've got arrayed against you, every stupid thing that you're in agreement with, um, all of that, that's standing against you, even when you stand against you, okay, God is for you, right? This changes nothing about God's forness for you. And so what is your response to all these things? What is your response to this? Well, might I put it there? Start agreeing with God, whatever he's working on, agree with him. Let the pain points come up. Let engage with him in in that. Learn what lies you're believing. Let him minister truth and start agreeing with whatever truth He's telling you, if he's convicting you of sin, um, work with him to knock it off. <laughs> okay. Work with him. God is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing, creating in you the power and desire to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction, delight. What is his good pleasure, satisfaction, delight to reveal you as a son, to reveal you as a daughter, perfect, complete in him, Right. That is what he's doing. And we get to choose. But the more you choose now, um, the more glory and freedom you can experience. This is about freedom. This is about freedom to be the way he created you, to be free. Yeah, I know crap's happened to you, but you're not crap, right? So let's heal. Let's heal. Let's heal from all the lies that stuff that has happened to us, stuff that is happening to us. And, you know, stuff will happen to us, right? We do live in a fallen world that's not completely redeemed yet, even though God is working out that redemption. Let's agree with what God is saying. And that is every human being. That is every human being. And the first thing we need to agree with is that we are absolutely adored. Nothing can separate 
us from the love of God because if God is for us, his love is for us. Who can be against us? Anyway, I hope this has been a blessing for you today. Share this with someone. Share this on your platform, however that is. People need this message. I love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.